Hello there, and welcome back to Sound Fiction. Today, we have a story that might hit a little bit close to home. Have you ever looked out of your window to find something out of the ordinary? Have you ever wondered to yourself if what you were witnessing was something to be concerned about? Well, if you haven't, I don't suggest you start now, because I can tell you firsthand, when you go looking for trouble, you almost always find it. If you're a fan of the channel and you like what I do, feel free to listen and leave a rating on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Or become a patron where you can get early access, patron shoutouts, and Discord access so you can directly message me and influence what stories are posted on the channel. Now, without further ado, episode 44 of Sound Fiction, The Man Across the Street. It's a nice street, a friendly street, nothing out of the ordinary. That's why I like it. It's a dead end, so it's never that busy, but it's never that quiet either. Living on the outskirts of a place like London, it's all you could ever ask for. The busiest times are at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. because there's a primary school halfway up the road. The middle of the street is mobbed with children and parents picking up and dropping off at those times. Other than that, I'd say things are quite pleasant on this street. When the weather's nice, a lot of kids play outside in the road. They're kind of noisy, but honestly, I find it charming. It's because they ride around on bikes and scooters. They play football and other games, which I think is nice. It's refreshing to see young kids do all the stuff I used to do when I was their age, and not stay inside all day playing on computers and devices. It just sort of makes me feel like the world isn't dead yet. I can tell you so much about the street because I have a lot of time to look out the window. When you're stuck inside the house job hunting all day, you really start to take notice of your surroundings. I mean, I moved all the way to another country to live with my in-laws and have a career change, so I guess you could say I kind of asked for it. Every day I get a clear view out the front window, up the short driveway, and out the gate leading into the street. I see everything directly in front of the house. I see the mailman when he comes to slide letters in the door slot. I see the kids playing. I see cars driving up and parking. I know who lives where, what their daily schedules are like, and what they get up to on a day-to-day basis. Just like I said in the beginning, there's nothing out of the ordinary, and that's why I like it. But one day, something did happen out of the ordinary, and I sort of had a hard time letting it go. Across the street, there lives a woman and her three kids, a very nice family. It was midday, so I know the kids were at school. No one ever walks up Jenna's driveway and toward their side door at this time of day. Not for anything, not for any reason, never. But on this one day, a man appeared and walked up their driveway. I don't know why, but it really shocked me and grabbed my attention. So I got up from the computer and walked toward the window. Something about this guy I just didn't like. He was a middle-aged white guy with curly white hair, a black leather jacket, and blue jeans. He went straight up to the side door and grabbed the handle. Didn't knock. Even from across the street, I could see he was really twisting it with force. The door was locked so it didn't open. 
I thought, Jesus, what the hell does this guy want? He walked to the end of the driveway and toward the garage. He did the same thing with the door handle there, twisting and pulling. Not like crazy, but still with considerable force. When he noticed the padlock above the handle latching the door shut, he turned around and directed his attention toward the bins. That's what they call garbage cans over here. He immediately opened them and started looking around inside, like he was trying to find something. I decided that was enough and I went outside. Hi. Hi, sir. Are you looking for Jenna? Huh? Dinesh? What? No, Jenna. Are you looking for Jenna? This is her house. Dinesh? Are you Dinesh? No, no. I live across the street. I just saw you poking around and it looked like you needed help. Where did you see me from? That house. Right there. <laughs> well, I suppose it's good to meet the neighborhood watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just then, a black car pulled up and someone stepped out. The strange man forgot about me in an instant and went to go talk to this other guy. I went back into the house and observed them from the window. The two men walked up the driveway and toward the garage. The guy who just showed up pulled out a key and let the first guy inside. It put my mind at ease a bit to know this person was probably the landlord and just renting out some space to someone in need of it. Still, I didn't like how this man who didn't live here just showed up trying to open doors and prod around like he owned the place. Also, when I talked to him, I got a really intense vibe. His eyes were big and wide, stretched open like he was in a perpetual state of shocked focus. He also had a tiny bit of spit clinging to his bottom lip that he either didn't notice or didn't care about. Either way, I noticed it, and I thought it was gross. But whatever, he had a reason to be here, and I couldn't be mad at anyone for that. In the following days, I would see him across the street, filling up bags and bags of trash, emptying the garage to make space. I supposed he was renting it for storage and not actually living there, but it made me wonder what he planned on storing, the way he was so eager to move everything out. I would just watch him, filling up these bags and putting them in the bins. Even the way he walked up and down the driveway unsettled me. That same rigid intensity he had in our interaction from before. It was almost like he was on drugs or something, but I could just tell he was always like that. On the third day of emptying the garage, it seemed he had finished. He brought the last bag out to the bins and headed back to the open garage door. But halfway up the drive, he stopped suddenly. He turned and looked at the house with the side door and window beside him as he did. He just stood there with his head cocked and staring. I thought to myself, what the hell is going on in his mind right now? About two minutes went by and he slowly began creeping towards the window. He put his hands on the frame and started pushing up, trying to open it what the fuck? I said out loud. Just as I got up to go out the front door and talk to him, one of Jenna's daughters stepped out the side door and saw what he was doing. He didn't stop pulling on the window. He just gestured for the little girl to come over so he could show her something. When she did, he pointed at something on the window and explained it to her. The girl went back inside and got her mom, 
who then came out to further inspect her window with the man. They talked about it for a while and even had a laugh as they did. I couldn't believe it. I was ready to go out there and give him a piece of my mind, tell him I didn't like him and that I had my eye on him. I'm glad Jenna's daughter walked out because that would have been embarrassing. Later on, a handyman stopped by and fixed whatever was wrong with the window. I really started to question myself after that. Was I going stir-crazy? Was I making problems out of nothing? I didn't feel wrong about being skeptical toward this strange new man, but I couldn't believe how wrong I was about his actions. I decided to give it a break and lay off the window watching for a bit. I started going to the gym in the afternoon, just to get out of the house. It was good for me in the beginning. I had something to do, I felt less stressed, I wasn't looking out the window, and I wasn't seeing the man across the street. Maybe he did everything he had to in the garage, and he was done spending time there. Either way, he was off my mind, and I was better off. That was until one day, when I was on my way back from the gym. It was about 3.15, and my street was littered with parents and school children just as they were getting out. I weaved through the swarms of kids and adults so I could get back home. And that's when I saw him, standing on the sidewalk, across from the school, among other parents waiting to receive their kids, was the man. I stopped and glared right at him, but his unbroken gaze remained directly on the line of children exiting the school. I walked a little further down the road and observed him for as long as I could. He stood there and waited, as if he did it every single day. Maybe he did, I thought. Maybe he has a kid here. Maybe that's why he's in the neighborhood to begin with. So I stood there and watched, ready to see a young boy or girl emerge from the gates and run straight into his arms. But as time went on, and the people started to disperse, it seemed less likely that he was waiting for a child of his own. Soon, all of the parents and children had left, and he was the only person standing outside the school. He hadn't moved an inch, staring at the exact same spot the entire time. I found his presence beyond disturbing, and in an instant, his gaze broke. He turned suddenly and started walking in my direction. I turned clumsily and sped walked back to my own house. From the window, I saw him walk past Jenna's house, up the driveway, and into the garage. He shut the door behind him and stayed inside until it got dark. He was back on my mind, and I couldn't stop thinking about why he would stand in front of the school like that, pretending to wait for someone. I got really worried for the kids. Finally, at about 10.30, he stepped out of the garage and locked it up behind him. I just stared at him as he walked down the dark, empty street without a care in the world, like some normal guy. I paid extra close attention to him from then on. I watched him come to the garage around noon, three or four times a week, and I'd see him standing outside the school, pretending to wait for a kid once a week, almost always on Friday. He'd never show up on the weekends. One day, I crossed paths with him outside the house as I was taking out the garbage. I knew our initial meeting was a while ago by this point, but I figured he'd at least recognize me still. 
I decided to make friendly so he wouldn't think I was keeping such a close eye on him. I lifted my hand to wave and say hi, but he just blanked me. He turned to walk down the sidewalk, and with complete tunnel vision, carried on down his path, didn't even look in my direction. How weird, I thought. Just another thing to add to the long list of strange happenings with this man. It wasn't long before I got another one, too. The next day, I was walking to the gym, and I saw him making his way up our street. He was holding a brand new plastic bag, like he was just coming back from buying something. As I got closer, I recognized the name on the bag. Party Costumes, a fancy dress store. When I got ready to pass him on the sidewalk, I could see the tunnel vision in his eyes and knew he wouldn't pay me any attention. So I snuck a glance into the bag, puzzled with what I saw. In the bag was a silver sparkly tiara and one of those plastic masks. I don't really know how to explain them. It's like the face of a little girl with rosy cheeks, kind of like an antique porcelain doll. Really creepy for someone like him to be having. It was at this point I was more confused about the man and what he was up to than ever before. He started staying in the garage until quite late. He wouldn't leave until 11 or 12 most nights of the week. I would watch the garage door on nights he was in there, looking at the light spill from under it. I could see his shadow in the light, walking back and forth in the garage. I had no idea what he was doing in there, but I intended on finding out. I made plans on how I was going to get in when he wasn't there. I wanted to be able to get in and out without him knowing, so cutting the lock was off the table. I noticed that the latch itself was screwed into the door holding the padlock. I could unscrew the entire latch to get inside and then screw it back in when I left. I waited for the weekend to make my entry because I knew he wouldn't be there. During the whole week leading up to my plan, I was tense with nerves, excited and anxious about what I might find. I didn't sleep much at night, and it was all I could think about during the day. I didn't see him at all that week. I wondered why he had suddenly disappeared. That was until Friday, when I discovered he hadn't disappeared at all. I don't know what possessed me to wake up so early, but my mind jolted awake in the twilight hours of the morning. It was still dark outside, so I felt as if I should go back to sleep, but I simply couldn't. I got up and went downstairs to have some coffee. Although the sky was pitch black, I decided to get a very early start on the day. I sat down facing the window and opened up my computer to check emails. As I was scrolling, movement entered my vision from outside. Up the street, walking briskly, was a dark, shadowy figure. I immediately closed the computer and stepped toward the window. Across the street was someone dressed in all black, holding a pillowcase. On this person's head was a costume tiara, and on their face was that plastic little girl's mask. I knew right away it was him. He turned up the driveway and went into the garage, where he stayed for the rest of the morning, before leaving in the afternoon. I had to know what was in that bag, and decided not to wait any longer before entering myself. 
Late that night, I told everyone I was going out for a short run in the park. I then went to the shed to take my father-in-law's drill and walked across the street. Trying to be as quiet as possible, I unscrewed the latch off the door and opened it just enough to get inside. In the garage was nothing out of the ordinary. An old dusty workbench, some clothes that I could tell were his, including the black pants and jacket he was wearing when he creeped in early this morning. On the workbench was a notebook. I opened it to find a long, long list of names and addresses. Some of the addresses I recognized because they were nearby. Some I didn't recognize at all. Beside the workbench was that white pillowcase I saw him carrying earlier. Inside was nothing but children's toys, like little plastic cars and houses, along with stuffed animals of all kinds. This was all quite weird and confusing, but nothing as concerning as what I found under the workbench. Underneath was a cardboard box. Inside was the tiara and the plastic mask he wore earlier, as well as a small wooden box. Unlocked, it opened right up to reveal a plastic bag full of teeth. These weren't normal, average-sized teeth. They were little, tiny children's teeth in all stages of decomposition. And there weren't just a few. There were dozens. My heart raced at the thought of how he obtained these. Questions flooded my mind about who I was actually dealing with. Initially, I thought about calling the police. But upon further contemplation, I decided to see how he would react to someone else knowing his secrets, whatever they were. I kept the wooden box with the teeth, exited the garage, and screwed the latch back on the door. Each day after that, I waited for the man to return, so I could somehow show him that I knew he was up to something. He arrived on that Tuesday, and I watched carefully from the window. Within minutes of entering the garage, he stepped out in a panic. He looked frantically along the driveway, presumably for his wooden box with the teeth. I walked outside with a bag of garbage to place in the trash bin. Each time I saw him before, he paid me no mind at all. He noticed me this time. I stared directly at his face as I came to the sidewalk without breaking eye contact. He could tell instantly that I knew something. I opened the trash and threw the bag inside. I stood there for a few seconds, looking at him, while he looked back, frozen with shock and panic. I then took the small wooden box out from my pocket and placed it on top of the trash bin. He ran quickly into the garage and back out with the pillowcase full of children's toys. He then crossed the street to our side, grabbed the wooden box off of our trash bin and sped off down the road. Later on, I called the police and told them everything I observed about the man across the street. I then said he dropped this outside on the road and handed over the bag of children's teeth. Although the police were shocked by this strange finding, it isn't illegal to own children's toys, a children's costume, or even possess children's teeth. 
This evidence didn't draw correlation to any open cases, but the police took the teeth for evidence anyway. And that was it. That was the last I heard about the man across the street. Up until today, when a police news story came on the TV. You see, everything I just told you happened about six years ago. Now, life is different. We have our own place, a couple kids to take care of, a whole new set of concerns. No more window watching for me. But on TV this morning, the police arrested a 64-year-old man for breaking into a child's bedroom from the ground floor window. Wearing a sparkly tiara and a children's costume mask, he claimed to be the Tooth Fairy. Apparently, he had been doing this for years, breaking into children's bedrooms and getting them to give him their teeth or stealing their toys when they weren't there. Hearing this report made me laugh out loud, but when they showed his face, the laughter stopped. On the screen was the man across the street, along with the bag of teeth I had given to the police six years earlier. I turned to my wife and said, See? Look. What did I say? I told you that guy was a sick bastard. 